Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone, just want to make a quick note about this podcast. Uh, Terry Walls, her sound quality is perfect. Mine is not. It's a little bit scratchy when I'm talking. Our editor did his best, but I didn't want to throw away the whole episode because the information is really great. So the guest has perfect sound. When I'm speaking, it's a little bit scratchy. Bear with us on this one because the information is still really great. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm very excited about our next guest, and I am in disbelief. We have not had her on the show all of these years. I'm almost mortified because she's such a wonderful contributor to our community and really one of the first people to uh, beat an awful autoimmune disease using a paleo type of protocol, Dr. Terry Walls. She is a clinical professor at the University of Iowa, where she conducts clinical trials testing the efficacy of therapeutic lifestyle to treat multiple sclerosis-related symptoms. In addition, she is also the author of The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine, and also the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life, the revolutionary modern paleo plan to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions. And she does have a 2020 updated version of her book, The Walls Protocol, coming out. We'll talk about all of that. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So here's the thing. You know, so many people in our space do know your story, and and you have changed so many lives, and your work is incredible. But for those of us that don't know, let's start with the fact that you you were you were active and then you got sideswiped by some health stuff. Yeah. So so can you tell us your story and your journey with that? Sure. So before hitting medical school, I was an athlete. I competed uh, nationally in taekwondo, uh, uh, ran marathons, skied marathons. Uh, then I had kids um, and uh, was, you know, continued to work out every day. But gradually, was getting to be more difficult. Then in 2000, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I knew I wanted to treat my disease aggressively, so I sought out the best people in the country, took the newest drugs, uh, but went relentlessly downhill. Uh, And two years into this, my Cleveland Clinic physicians told me about uh, the work of uh, Lauren Cordain. And uh, so I read his papers, read his books, and after being a vegetarian for 20 years, following a low-fat diet, I uh, went back to eating meat. I gave up all grain, all legumes, all dairy, but I continued to go downhill. I stayed with the paleo diet, uh, and uh, actually, I, I uh, would eventually go on the AIP diet. Um, uh, and then I started uh, even more aggressive drugs. I started reading the basic science, uh, wanting to slow everything uh, as well as I could. I'm in a tilt recline wheelchair, I'm having more pain. Uh, uh, due to trigeminal neuralgia. Uh, I discover um, uh, reading the basic sciences, and I start thinking that mitochondria are the big driver of um, neurodegeneration. And I ultimately start creating a supplement cocktail for my mitochondria that slows the severity um, of the steepness of the decline, uh, the severity of the fatigue somewhat, but I'm still declining. By the summer of 07, I'm so weak I cannot sit up in a regular chair. I'm having more uh, severe pain. I'm beginning to have trouble with brain fog. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I take their course on neuroprotection, uh, which talks a lot about mitochondria. I'm thrilled. I have a longer list of supplements. And then I have a, a really big aha moment, like, what if I redesign my diet uh, to maximize the intake of these key nutrients that I was using in supplement form? Because And there were about 17 things that I was tracking at that time. Uh, and so now, in addition to the things that I've removed from my diet, now I'm really stressing uh, foods what to add. And to my amazement, within six weeks, my pain is gone. My brain fog is markedly reduced. And on top of that, I am even more surprised uh, that I am getting steadily stronger. And I am uh, getting stronger and stronger. Uh, and then six months into this, I get on my bike for the first time in six years. And I pedal around the block. My my children are crying. My wife is crying. I'm crying. Uh, and then uh, at six more months, so at a year into this, I do an 18.5-mile bike ride with my family. And so this radically changes how I uh, think about disease and health. It will radically change the way I practice medicine. And, uh, of course, it leads me to radically change the type of research that I do. Well, your story speaks to incredible perseverance, and that perseverance pays. Um, tell us a little bit more. Before the symptoms were over, was it just the how did the pain manifest? What did it feel like? You know, for those that are out there that might be suffering, you know, what 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 kind of ailments were happening? So, uh, trigeminal neuralgia is electrical face pain uh, that started actually during medical school in 1980. At first, it was just a uh, disturbed sensation across either the right side of my face, occasionally the left side of my face. Uh, they would come on more frequently if I uh, was severely uh, stressed, uh, up all night. Then over time, and they would bother me for a few days and then it would disappear. Uh, these episodes would become more frequent, more severe. Then these abnormal sensations became much more electrical. Uh, and eventually they'd become intensely electrical, sort of like a, if you imagine a 10,000 volt uh, cattle prod being stuck into my face and zapping me for a moment. Uh, by uh, the summer of 07, uh, when they would uh, turn on, you know, light would trigger the pain, sound would trigger the pain, uh, a light breeze in my face would trigger the pain, talking would trigger the pain. My children trying to comfort me would trigger the pain. Uh, and so uh, and it was getting harder and harder to turn this pain off. I, I was on uh, high, very high doses of gabapentin. When the episodes would come on, I would go, I'd go into the pain clinic. I'd get a daily injection. They'd give me a daily high-dose solumedrol. Uh, uh, three doses of high-dose solumedrol was sort of... Uh, chemotherapy doses now is up to five days of uh, cyamedrol and daily injections of steroids. And I'm thinking, dear God, I, I could be facing a circumstance where the pain turns on and won't turn off, in which case light, sound, speaking, swallowing would all trigger incapacitating levels of pain. 
That is devastating. And I'm assuming the level of depression is crazy. It, it was a, an incredibly uh, grim prognosis that I was facing uh, in the summer of 07. You know, I've heard from people with MS that exactly what you described, this level of feeling like they were plugged into an electrical outlet. And um, I can't even imagine uh, that level of pain. It's so debilitating. What You know, you, you, you glossed over a little bit of your, your journey with supplements and food and AIP. And of course, the autoimmune protocol has changed so many people's lives. What were some things for you personally? I know everyone's different. What were some foods and things that even though you'd clean stuff up that you had to take a step further? Did you notice particular things were aggravating to you? And what were those things for you? So um, I, I sort of step back. I had been a low fat vegetarian for about 20 years. Uh, uh, lots of uh, legumes, uh, uh, lots of uh, grains. Uh, and, you know, when I got introduced to uh, the paleo world, it was a big deal, a lot of prayer and meditation. I'd go back to eating meat. And actually, I had to do that over several months because it was such a, a big change. Um, and, you know, I'm eating meat, I'm eating uh, vegetables. Uh, and I continued to decline. Um, I have taken out all grain, all legumes. Um, I, I'm doing uh, the nuts and seeds. Uh, I've got those out. Uh, eventually, I, I take out the nightshades. Uh, I, I'm still declining. Uh, I discover or, or I decide that I have to do everything that I possibly can to slow my decline. And so even though when I was first diagnosed, I, I read the, um, the literature on MS, I was so upset by seeing uh, that it was a uh, progressive illness. My family convinced me to stop re reading the science because it was just upsetting me. And that's how I, I did the research to figure out who was the best MS center in the country and, and went there. And now I'm in the decline wheelchair. It's clear that my pain is getting worse. It's clear that the, the, the newest drugs, even experimental drugs aren't stopping my decline. And I'm like, okay, I might as well go back to reading the basic science because I know how bad it's going to be, and it's uh, pretty terrible. Uh, and as I'm reading the basic science, at first I'm looking for um, drug studies. And then eventually I realize, you know, that's not going to help me. Uh, and I decide to start reading uh, for supplement studies. Uh, and I'm looking at the neurodegeneration models because the, my disease course is really much more like uh, primary progressive MS. I've had two relapses in, in the whole 27 years, well, actually now 40 years, uh, that I've had the MS. Uh, otherwise, it's been this very slow, relentless decline. Uh, and so I, I'm reading about the animal models for Parkinson's, for uh, ALS, for uh, the various uh, forms of dementia, uh, for Huntington's disease. And in all of those illnesses, mitochondria are the big driver. Uh, and so I slowly start creating a uh, mitochondrial-based uh, supplement protocol. Uh, and uh, it's creatine, carnitine, coenzyme Q, uh, some B vitamins. I, and you know, I, I was doing this maybe six months. 
And then you know, the skeptical uh, physician uh, sort of reared her head and said, oh, you're wasting your money. And I quit everything. And, you know, within 24 hours, I was, I just couldn't function. Uh, I, I couldn't really get out of bed. And so I didn't go to work uh, and I continued to struggle. And on the third day, my wife came in and said, you know, honey, I think you ought to take your 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 uh, vitamins again. So I took them. And the next morning, I could go to work. It's amazing. Just that combination. And I'm assuming there's some others in there that is critical for you. Well, and so now I, I was just like, wow, this is so exciting. So two weeks later, I did the same thing. I stopped everything. Uh, and, you know, 24 hours later, uh, the exhaustion was even more severe. I waited three days, resumed everything and could uh, get up and function. And so my conclusion was, okay, clearly the, the vitamins aren't fixing me, but they're, they're doing something that's really important. Uh, and so that got me more excited about reading the basic science. Uh, and I'd get more comfortable about experimenting uh, on myself. My primary care physician was actually uh, supportive. She was, you know, patiently go through my uh, medication list and, and uh, you know, run it through the software to see if there was going to be any uh, supplement uh, drug interactions. But, you know, then over, so over the next three years, I would, you know, read and experiment and tinker. Uh, and so I, I had a, a longer, more robust list of things that I had added, you know, and I'm still getting worse. You know, now I can't sit up anymore. Um, and I'm beginning to have brain fog and I'm realizing uh, that my boss has told me he's going to send me to the traumatic brain injury clinic uh, come January describes a job that I know physically I can't do. And I, and I'm realizing, okay, the, it's the university, the VA's way of saying, Terry, we're done redesigning your job. It's time for you to take medical disability. But you know, God works in mysterious ways. That That's when I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I uh, took their course. I uh, had a longer list of supplements and then had, uh, this big aha, like I, I should redesign my food based on what I'd learned in the basic science and functional medicine. And that's when the magic, that's when the magic happened. What is your dietary lifestyle right now? How would you categorize it? You know, it, it's really um, a, a, a nutrient dense diet. It's really much more, it's uh, really much more like a, a paleo diet uh, that's uh, highly structured. Uh, add to that uh, time-restricted feeding and periodic fasts. So I'll uh, eat uh, one meal a day, and then one week out of each month, um, I will have a uh, really much more severe calorie restriction of about 500 calories a day. So how how is life now? Well, you know, life is extraordinary. You know, I... I bike uh, to and from work. Uh, that's about a five-mile uh, uh, one way. Uh, on the weekends, uh, we'll go for a, a longer bike ride. Uh, I, I walk around the neighborhood, take the uh, dog out for uh, his daily constitutional. Uh, I'll strength train uh, every morning. 
I'm uh, writing books. Uh, we're writing grants, uh, doing research, uh, traveling the world, teaching other practitioners how to use these concepts. Uh, and now I'm also, you know, going to conferences, uh, presenting our research. Uh, and, you know, I, I've gone from the sort of this eccentric oddity here at the university uh, and in the research world to this brilliant visionary. So. <laughs> Wait, what a lovely uh, progression. Yes, what a lovely progression. So um, in talking about, this is a, I'm going to, this, this is a very base way of me understanding um, MS. But when I think about like the myelin sheath, right? Uh, I guess I would say, can you tell us why low fat is not the way to go for these types of things and how fat contributes to the protection of the myelin sheath and why this matters with MS? So the myel the brain cell sends its uh, impulses from brain cell to brain cell down something called the axon. And the axon is sort of the wiring between brain cells. Uh, it has a wrapping, uh, the cell membranes wrapped very tightly around that to make a, a thick coating called myelin. And this thick coating is actually uh, filled with cholesterol. It's filled with uh, uh, omega-3 fats, omega-6 fats, uh, called dicosapentanoic acid, dicosahexanoic acid. Uh, and uh, we have to make those compounds. Uh, if they aren't in our diet, then we have to synthesize them. Uh, and we have to synthesize the omega-3, omega-6 fats from uh, dietary sources because we, we can't do that final step. If you're in a really low-fat diet, then you can't make the cell membranes, you can't make as uh, robust of a uh, lining for that uh, uh, myelin sheath. Now, there is some uh, evidence that there's two components to how, how our ability to make myelin. One is the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fats in your diet, and the other is the total amount of cholesterol, omega-3, and omega-6 fats in the diet. So, so both are important. It's the ratio of the two and the total amount of fats. And, you know, ironically, I thought I was doing, you know, the, the best thing for my heart and for my brain by finding this really low-fat diet. Yeah, and, yeah, I would say that was my interpretation of the low-fat vegetarian diet was certainly part of what had accelerated my disease. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I also, you know, they're on that same note. There's lots of people that do that for health reasons. But then, you know, again, being the precursor to sexual hormones, there's people that go through either early menopause at age like, you know, 35 or 40 as a result of that diet. Or sometimes we see they don't get their period until much, much later. And, you know, so obviously our listeners know and so much of uh, of the important things that go on in our body are surrounded and, and nourished by by healthy fats. Now, you, you've been uh, talking and doing a lot of research. You've come a long way in the past five years. Uh, what are some updates? I know you have, thank God, you're coming out with a great new updated 2020 version of the Walls Protocol, which I'm sure will be incredible and include a lot of this. What are some of the things that you can update us on that you've uh, found in the past five years? Well, we have a, a much better understanding of the mechanisms by which uh, the Walls diet uh, in the walls, uh, and the paleo diets are helpful. Uh, 
there is more recognition that processed foods, that sugars uh, really harm a microbiome, uh, that they fertilize the wrong bacteria, the, the wrong yeast, which uh, then lead to some uh, toxic metabolites. Uh, we have more appreciation that food additives and emulsifiers that are used in the manufacturing process of the industrialized food supply uh, also disrupt the microbiome and can uh, create uh, more harmful metabolites that wreck how we do our biochemistry. So a, a lot more conversations uh, about uh, the microbiome, uh, more conversations about how uh, diet and lifestyle turn genes on and off, and so that's called epigenetics. Uh, so uh, that's exciting. Um, you know, uh, and then I talk about our uh, dietitians who are understandably concerned about nutrient density, uh, and they have a lot of concern that any diet that eliminates whole food groups uh, will therefore not be compliant with the dietary guidelines from America. Uh, and therefore, our fad diets and you know are strongly to be discouraged. What what we've done, and th this was a big project for us. Uh, it took us about a year, a year to do this. We uh, went through uh, when we were analyzing uh, the Walls diet and and the low fat uh, Swank diet. We completed a uh, analysis of the diet using menus and recipes. And then we did uh, modeling of the diet using, uh, it's a USDA technique with uh, food groups. Uh, and then we analyzed following the diet at, at uh, only 60% of the recommendations. Uh, if they didn't eat qu quite as many vegetables as I wanted people to eat. And then we compared that to the uh, nutrient intake that's recommended uh, in terms of uh, the dietary guidelines uh, in the recommended daily allowance uh, uh, for a healthy diet. And what we're able to show is, yes, the Walls diet does eliminate some whole food groups, but we still exceed the average American diet by far, and that's comparable to the standard American diet, uh, uh, with the exception of uh, the calcium intake. Uh, it was it was lower. Everything else uh, and vitamin D. Well, vitamin D is not a big deal at all because we make vitamin D from sunlight. And uh, we're lower than the recommended daily allowance for calcium. Um, however, uh, because we, we get people that correct their vitamin D levels, and we make sure that they have vitamin A, vitamin K2, plenty of magnesium, and uh, we improve their exercise with weight-bearing, uh, I, I don't think that that lower calcium intake uh, is is such a major concern. Uh, and we discussed about the the pros and cons of whether or not you would take a calcium supplement if you're doing a paleo diet. But the, the good news is we've we've in, investigated the issue of the paleo diet. Is it nutritionally sound or not? And we've published it in very high impact. Uh, 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 research journals followed by the, the registered dietitians. There are so many other illnesses that can be treated using these diet and lifestyle changes uh, of the WALS protocol. Um, yes. Tell us uh, some of those. 
So what we what we certainly see in our uh, clinics at the VA, our therapeutic lifestyle clinic, people would be coming in with rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus, uh, psoriasis, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, and we could stabilize their disease, uh, improve quality of life, and often reduce the need for medication. Then, then we have uh, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. Often, again, symptoms would reduce, quality of life would improve. And then, you know, so the, the, the typical primary care kind of stuff that I would see, uh, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, heart failure, uh, high blood pressure. Again, those kinds of diseases would stabilize, uh, quality of life would improve. Uh, as people would uh, implement uh, our program. Was it a tenant back in the day? I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember swimming with a woman many, many years ago, like 20 years ago, who had MS. And I thought I heard her say that fat was, was something she shouldn't eat, or was it sugar? I'm not sure. Was there, what was the, what's the general paradigm that they recommend, not yours, you know, the one that's not maybe the one, but, but what's the old paradigm? Did they ever recommend a diet at all? Yeah. So there, there was a fellow, uh, uh, Roy Swank, who following World War II made the observation that during World War II, the rates of MS and severity of MS plummeted. Uh, and at that time, after World War II, uh, the, the fat hypothesis came into uh, being for heart disease. So he advocated, he thought uh, MS was a vascular disease. So he put his patients on a very, very low fat diet, less than 15 grams of saturated fat per day. So no chicken skin, uh, white meat uh, only, uh, white fish only, uh, no butter, no eggs. And if people wanted to follow a uh, dietary approach for MS, uh, it was the swank diet. Uh, then uh, I come along uh, and, uh, you know, I, I tell my story of recovery uh, with the paleo diet. I, I, then uh, the next thing that happened was there was a, a small trial with the McDougal diet, which is a vegan version of a low-fat diet uh, that uh, showed improvement in blood pressure uh, but no change in uh, clinical MS outcomes. Uh, and then we have several papers that came out uh, with our clinical trials showing benefits from uh, our uh, my version of the paleo diet. Let's talk a little, you mentioned mitochondrial function at the beginning, and that really is sort of like the name of the game in our industry when we talk about that. They are the powerhouses, right, of the cells. Can you talk about the connection between inflammation and mitochondria or why everyone listening, regardless of an MS or autoimmune disorder, should be attentive to nourishing and treating our mitochondria? Oh, no, absolutely. So mitochondria are uh, really ancient uh, little bacteria that about a billion and a half years ago, when the oxygen level rose in the atmosphere, uh, the mitochondria had evolved to utilize that oxygen more effectively, and they could generate energy more effectively. They were engulfed by a little bigger bacteria, and they developed a very symbiotic relationship, which allowed for, again, over millions and trillions of generations, the development of um, specialized and multicellular organisms that would have um, nervous tissue, muscle tissue, bone tissue, hormones, and a gut, and so that 
you know, that eventually would, you know, develop into animals and to mammals and primates and us, of course. But in all of our organs, the cells are powered by these little ancient bacteria that are our mitochondria. And if our mitochondria are not working very well, that organ can't work very well. The, the parts of our body that needs the most energy to function uh, would be our brain, our heart, and our retinas. And so uh, people who have difficulty with mitochondria will begin to have mental health issues and neurologic issues, or they begin to have visual issues, uh, macular degeneration, uh, for example, or uh, develop uh, heart failure. Uh, and really, any organ that's not working very well, one of the uh, prime reasons is that the mitochondria can't generate enough uh, energy for the cells in those organs to do the chemistry of life properly, leaving that organ to function less and less and less well, leading you know to declining energy, uh, uh, more pain, more fatigue, more irritability, uh, and uh, we often have accelerated aging. You know, instead of you know being full and vigorous at in your sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. You start struggling to get through your day, even though you're only 30. Yeah, no, I, I've been there. I had definitely <laughs> some mitochondrial dysfunction when I suffered with hypothyroidism for many years. And, you know, it took a, took a while to turn it around. Uh, but, you know, you are such a case of perseverance and that there are answers and this stuff can be fixable. Um, I wanted to actually today, there's a woman at my gym with a walker and she kept keeps talking about how she's working with this doctor to fix her autoimmune issues and she's on a vegan diet. And I actually recommended your book and I was, you know, telling her that she should probably look into this stuff and, you know, things like that. And it's mm -hmm. tough because we, um, what I love about your story as well is that you didn't stop seeking regardless of what doctors told you. And that's my story yeah. as well. And if we want to get better, we need to educate ourselves so we can help our doctors help us or find the right doctors, which is, you know, what you did, you persevered to say, yeah. this is my disease and I'm not going to let someone else completely handle it. Um, and I just think that that's mm -hmm. such an important message for, for everybody, no matter what they're suffering from. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm so glad you guys run your podcast uh, and that's become so much easier uh, due to social media for people to hear that. Yes. Other people can recover that, you know, if I can recover from, being unable to sit up, facing intractable pain, uh, uh, cognitive decline, to such a rich and full life, which, you know, if I accidentally get exposed to gluten, my pain comes roaring back about six hours later. So it, it's not like I, I got cured. Yeah, you know, I still have, you know, all that vulnerability, but as long as I take care of my diet and lifestyle, I'm in great shape. It's really amazing. It's such a, yeah. And I, I have a friend who I interviewed as well, who was uh, debilitated with rheumatoid arthritis for many years. I've interviewed several people who have basically uh, avoided a life sentence in a wheelchair through their grocery bag. And, um, you know, let's, uh, you know, aside from the general tenets of the paleo diet, 
if someone's out there suffering right now, I mean, obviously, please go get the Walls Protocol. Look up uh, Terry's, you know, Dr. Terry Walls' information and website. We'll we'll mention that at the end and put everything in the show notes. But what are some things right away that people can do if they're out there? And maybe they have been given, you know, wrong information as you once were. What can they do to just start to to clean it up or or forge ahead here? Well, you know, actually, the first thing I'd have them do is to think deeply about what you want your health for. Uh, because the next thing we're going to ask you to do is going to be a little bit more difficult. Uh, and because it's it's hard to give up today's pleasures for tomorrow's future benefit. So if you can stay clear about what you want your health for, when I was in that journey, I had two young kids that I want someday to grow up to be successful emotionally and financially uh, adults. Uh, and so uh, I was getting more disabled and the only thing that I had left was I could model resilience that life's not fair. It's incredibly difficult, but I could get up and do the best I could every day. I could do my little bit of exercise and go off to work. And so that was really important uh, to have. Okay. So what, uh, what did I want my health for? So knowing what you want your health for now, remove the foods that are really inflammatory, sugar, processed foods, very inflammatory. Uh, we want you to have uh, more healthy fats. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really like to have people have uh, some uh, hemp oil, flax oil, or fish oil. Uh, we need to have some omega threes uh, in there as well. Uh, we need some omega sixes in the, in there as well. That's where things like uh, avocado oil, uh, hemp oil, uh, flax oil uh, would have some of that in there. Uh, but plain avocados, nuts, and seeds, and uh, more non-starchy vegetables, greens, cabbage, onion, mushroom family vegetables, and deeply colored things, beets, carrots, berries. I think it is really important that you mentioned uh, for people to look at what they want their health for. It's very hard for someone to go from a standard American diet or even being a you know sugar-burning, uh, food-obsessed person to think about doing something as strict, let's say, as the AIP, but... I can say even from my own experience and cutting things out and going down a strict paleo paradigm that eventually you don't want those things. And again, it's like, how much better would you like to get and how quickly? And sometimes uh, we've seen it where it's taken six months to a year uh, for people to hold that strict, but then you start to see the results like you did. You have a day of no pain. And when that day comes, there's nothing more motivating than that, right? And I can only imagine, I... This must have been extremely tough on you and your entire family. I bet they are just elated as to how things have turned out. Um, I'm sure some of the people you've worked with, it's a struggle, right? I mean, it's very tough when you've got a family member. It doesn't matter whether it's hypothyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, and they can't fix it, and they're going through this decline, and then they get a little better, and then they don't. And the whole journey you've been through can be very tough on couples. How, how were you, obviously, have a wonderful partner. How were you able to work through that with your family? It was helpful in that, you know, when I first went uh, uh, paleo um, and I gave up all grain, all legumes, all dairy, I, I, I did it myself. My family ate whatever they wanted to eat, and I just did this uh, alone. Uh, as I restructured my uh, diet based on my research, again, I uh, did that uh, alone. Uh, and then my family... Uh, as I recovered, 
they all ended up uh, embracing uh, the dietary plans. And so this is all that we have uh, in, our house, in our household. When I treat uh, patients in my clinics, uh, in our clinical trials, we talk about uh, doing this as a family intervention that for the vast majority of individuals, when we have these foods that are designed to be so yummy, so tasty, so addictive, that if that food that we, we're trying to get out of our eat, out of our diet is in our eating environment, uh, most people will struggle. That when we're hungry, that delicious food will find our mouth and we'll be eating. And so we, we talk about ways to make the environment uh, easier for you to succeed and harder to fail. So that means uh, getting the food that is harmful to you out of your eating environment uh, and how your family can support you on that. Uh, that's a, com a conversation every family needs to negotiate. Uh, but the more completely they can support you so that your eating environment only includes the recommended foods, the easier it is to be successful. You mentioned uh, if you accidentally get around gluten, some you'll have a, a type of a flare-up uh, of some kind. You know, gluten, I mean, grains particularly, but gluten and grains are so associated with, like, every autoimmune disorder. Like with, you know, Hashimoto's, we see antibodies drop from, you know, 1,600 down to barely detectable when people eliminate these things. Can you, in a seventh grade terminology, explain to us what is the going on with glue? Why is it so offensive and connected with so many autoimmune disorders? What's the philosophy there that people can sink their teeth into uh, listening to this so they can really understand how offensive this thing is? So the, that particular protein uh, is seen as a foreign threatening protein by your immune cells. And so when your immune cells see this protein, it turns on their uh, production of inflammation molecules. And then depending on your genetics, the target of that inflammation is going to be attacked. So in my case, unfortunately for me, it's my brain that gets attacked. Uh, but also apparently my lungs, because I have some asthma that went away when I went gluten-free. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it'll be your joints, sometimes it'll be your skin, uh, maybe your bowels. Um, but the, the concept is the amino acid sequence in gluten uh, looks very threatening to our immune cells. And so in response, our immune cells rev up their biochemical warfare against the gluten. And in addition to destroying the gluten, it will also destroy other um, cell types in your body. And so in my case, it, it wrecks my brain. It also damages my lungs. Uh, so I have both uh, uh, MS and asthma. And it's actually very common in the autoimmune world that if we don't get to the root cause of your autoimmune problem, about every 10 years, there's another autoimmune-related diagnosis that develops. Okay, I'm really glad you mentioned that because... We often say and preach that, you know, because so there's scenarios, for example, where someone can be, let's say, on thyroid hormone replacement and they're feeling great, meaning they have no symptoms of hypothyroidism and they're doing well in life. However, when you test their antibodies in the background, they're still pretty high, but they quote unquote can't 
feel them, right? Um, in that scenario Correct. where someone with like rheumatoid arthritis would, you know, feel it, they might not be able to button their shirt in the morning. And we try to impart on them, this is still dangerous because antibodies equal inflammation equal begetting more problems like you're talking about. Correct. It kind of, it kind of, it's like a domino cascade autoimmune effect, right? Can you, can you sum that up for us? The scientific term is epitope spreading. So we're creating more damages. Uh, your body is recognizing other amino acid sequences as threatening and trouble. Uh, and then through another step called molecular mimicry, um, we can trigger reactions to other uh, cell structures in my body. So that's how, so my, my sequence, my personal sequence is I, I probably developed a uh, problem involving my endometrial tissue. So my, that's the reason why I developed severe endometriosis and infertility. Then I uh, developed uh, asthma. Uh, then the next thing uh, that I'm probably developing is my neurologic symptoms uh, with trigeminal neuralgia, then optic neuritis. Then I start getting more extensive brain-related problems with multiple sclerosis. Uh, then the next autoimmune problem uh, is psoriasis. Uh, and, uh, and so... It, it probably all began with gluten sensitivity. It all began as a youngster, uh, probably when I had severe tonsillitis uh, and leaky gut, uh, a lot of antibiotic use uh, and a tonsillectomy and microbiome disruption that led me to get sensitized to gluten at a young age, which then led to the sequence of different uh, organ structures that would be attacked. That's a great way of explaining it. Um, there are so many people. I mean, I know people who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars traveling to Mayo clinics, Cleveland clinics, and then like you look at their lab work and the doctors completely ignore like their, their antibodies for a particular something. And I don't mean to laugh, but it's just insane to see how much time is spent. And you're sort of a direct route to to get over this. And, um, aside from your book, again, you have the updated version coming out of the walls protocol. Tell us about the, uh, and we'll talk further about working with you individually and in general, but tell us about the seminar you have coming up this summer. So, um, we have, uh, five years now, six years been running a live in-person event where people, hundreds of people come from all over the globe where I teach these concepts. We review the latest science in my lab the latest science uh, in autoimmunity and neurodegeneration. Uh, we practice skills related to uh, how we manage uh, our disease and lifestyle. We sing, we dance, not necessarily in tune. We have a good time. Uh, and and we, we practice all of these skills. Uh, and then we also have health professionals that come uh, to learn these skills and to watch how I teach hundreds of people how they can better manage their autoimmune disease, their mental health disease, their chronic neurological diseases using diet and lifestyle. People come back year after year uh, and we celebrate uh, the progress uh, that they've made. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, uh, exciting time. Tell us how we can um, sign up for that or where do we go to register for that? So it's a... Yeah, so if you go to terrywalls.com 
forward slash seminar. Uh, you can sign up for that. We have the, op- the opportunity to come uh, in person, which I, I think is ob- the, the best experience because you get to meet everyone and, and see that community. We also have uh, that, the ability to attend uh, and get the, the digital experience as well. Uh, and we have a certification program for health professionals that people can attend uh, in person or attend uh, uh, digitally as well. And that one's at terrywalls.com forward slash certification. How can people work with you directly? Do you work with patients directly? How can we, if we're out there, like we just want to talk to you, <laughs> how, do, how does that work? Yeah. So there's, there, there's a couple ways of doing that because I certify practitioners. We, we, ha- we, uh, we have a growing army of certified walls protocol health practitioners. Um, so that's listed on my website. Uh, and then uh, if you go to my website, terrywalls.com, and if you look across the bar at the top, uh, there's a, a place where you can click work with me, uh, and there's you can begin the process there. Now, I, I have to caution people in that I, I have a, a, a small limited practice uh, in part because I, I'm committed to doing the research, and I'm committed to traveling the world, teaching people how to do this. So getting to work with me, you may have a bit of a wait to finally get in. Uh, just because there's only so much time in a day. Right. We need to clone you, but that's the point of that's, training that's others. What right. <laughs> that's what I'm trying hard to do. That's great. Um, I did, I'm sure there were so many moments of lost hope for you along this way because it's such a long journey. And you mentioned the gluten insensitivity. Insens- uh, but you're not technically celiac, correct? No, not at all. I, right. I don't have and so I just, disease. Yeah, and I wanted to just highlight that because there are people that have sensitivities, and some of them are even undetectable, but there are sensitivities that are there that um, someone might discount if they just did a celiac test, and that's why it's important right. to, to do these, uh, to, to follow the protocol and, and, yeah. and see what works for you. I, I stress this uh, in my book, and I stress this when I talk with people, that there are blood tests that can look at your innate adaptive system. Uh, the ALCAT and the LEAP test are, are two examples. And there are blood tests that can look at antibody levels, IgG, food sensitivity. And then there's a third approach, which is the elim- elimination diet, where we remove the most common food allergens and then have people reintroduce foods one at a time to sort out what, how they respond. My preference, and I think the gold standard is removing foods from the diet, uh, the most common uh, allergens that are problematic, and then testing them one at a time. Because even the innate and adaptive immune uh, tests that we have are not perfect. We know that you can have a negative blood test, and still if we remove the food from your diet, your symptoms resolve, and when you eat the food again, the symptoms come back. Life is much more complicated than the blood test. So it's always better to have what I call the whole person test. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I have that experience uh, with dairy. For example, I'm not technically allergic to it. If you took a test, it would say you're fine. (laughs) Go right ahead. But you know what? Uh, you eliminate it, and then you reintroduce, and suddenly you have a stuffy nose. And you know what I mean? That these are the indicators. So uh, this is a, such a personal experimentation. And 
Your work is so amazing. What would you like to leave our audience with today on the subject of uh, healing autoimmune issues? You know, I think the, the most important uh, message I want everyone to hear is that if I can come back from brain fog, intractable pain, unable to sit up, to a rich and full life by simply changing what I eat and do every day, then there's hope for them too. And, you know, my physicians had told me for 27 years that I had a progressive illness, uh, that functions once lost were never going to come back. Turns out they were wrong. Yeah. They were wrong. I'm so glad you proved them wrong and um, so, so grateful for your journey and for all that you share and for certifying people and moving this forward beyond this. This is a legacy you'll leave, uh, you know, beyond for, for decades and years to come. So thank you so much. And everyone go to Terry Walls. That's W-A-H-L-S.com. We will put everything in the show notes to connect with her and her seminar. And uh, if you're interested in becoming one of her practitioners, etc. I really appreciate your time. And um, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful journey with the world. Thank you. Hey there, Primal Blueprint listeners. Did you know that Primal Kitchen Collagen Peptides help support hair, skin, and nails? Well, we offer a variety of collagen products to suit everyone's palate, from unflavored to mango pineapple or golden turmeric, to our keto matcha or chai tea collagen latte mixes, and much more. Visit us at primalkitchen.com and start fueling your day with collagen peptides.